right, son, Star Wars fans, this is another episode of Pizza and Parsecs. I'm Dave. I'm Liv. And today, we're still far apart. Mm-hmm. We're both in galaxies far, far away right now. We are sheltered in place. I'm on Tatooine. She's on... Coruscant. Coruscant. It's... <laughs> I just want to be a Coruscant. I mean, it's better than Alderaan, I guess. Very much so. Ooh, or I could be in the Cloud City. That would be fun. Oh, Bespin would be dope. That would be so fun. Or Kashyyyk. Kashyyyk's kind of cool, but I feel like there's a lot of bugs. Yeah. Probably have to worry about malaria there. You know? Yeah. Like COVID-19 or malaria. Take your mm. pick. Ooh, but Coruscant probably would be the first hot spot for COVID-19. Can I be on Naboo? Naboo is like a really solid place for something like this. I feel like things are spread out enough there. And there's cities, of course, mm-hmm. like Theed. But you also have these rolling plains and these beautiful seaside landscapes. And I think that would be really pretty to pass the time there. But I digress. Today, we're talking about one of my favorite Clone Wars arcs, the Night Sisters arc. Woohoo! I mean... Ooh. Spooky. Spooky. This arc is dope. There's so much to it. There is so much story here. And there's so much color surrounding it that really just makes this entire thing just a cluster of awesome. And I can't wait to dive into this. I'm very excited. I've been looking forward to this ever since you finished up Clone Wars. I really liked this arc in particular because of a particular theme that I noticed throughout it, that being Ventress, I think. Like, she really has this, like, consistent theme going through of abandonment that I'm really excited to kind of deep dive on my perspective of that. But that is my beginning of podcast synopsis of excitement. Oh, for sure. And the cornerstone of this story is Ventress. Mm -hmm. By virtue of exploring Ventress, we are also engaging with this clan of Night Sisters, which also has a super deep and rich backstory to it. Let's geek out on Ventress for a bit. She's definitely probably the coolest Sith assassin that has graced Star Wars, in my opinion. Um, I've never seen a character like her until I watched Clone Wars, and I got really excited because she kind of has this lone wolf, but an unhealthy attachment to, to people that I noticed in this particular arc. It made me feel for her even more in the sense of you could have been a really good, good guy if it wasn't for the circumstances. Right. Absolutely. Like, this is a character that was, you know, born into this mystical clan of Night Sisters on Dathomir, forced to become a slave, then a slave turned Jedi Padawan, Jedi Padawan turned Sith Apprentice Assassin thing, Sith Apprentice or Assassin turned Night Sister, Night Sister turned Bounty Hunter, Bounty Hunter turned friend and ally of the Jedi. I don't want to repeat that again because that's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> It really is, though, but it really does. It captures the depths of the character herself, which I think made me really like her because there's so many layers to her and there was so much humanity left in her that made me think like at the end of the day, maybe maybe you weren't so bad after all. You know, sometimes, you know, we look at these 
Sith and we look at the evil behind them, we just see complete darkness. But even for me, even Dooku in the very first episode showed a little bit of that humanity, that Jedi training in him that it kind of came out. And I'm excited to talk about that. Yeah, it was it was just a really cool moment. For sure. I see Ventress as a victim of circumstance on some mm-hmm. level. Ventress has a very tragic backstory and I feel like Dooku was there at the right time to give her this outlet of the dark side to cope with the pain that she felt. Mm-hmm. The whole thing is just really tragic for her. And I love her story. She's probably one of my favorite characters in Star Wars in general, just because she has so much range in this. From the very beginning, you know, she was bored into the Night Sisters on Dathomir. Not only that, she was a force sensitive Night Sister. That is a brutal combination. The Night Sisters are not natural force wielders like the Jedi or the Sith. They have a connection with this dark magic to achieve a specific power. Ventress is a force sensitive version of that. She has like these two powerful worlds colliding. She is seriously scary in that sense. When Dooku trained her to become an assassin, a Sith minion, if you will, and I use those terms because That's the terms that Dooku uses in front of Sidious to kind of get around this rule of two. The entire reason that Dooku trained her is because that he recognized that lethal combination and wants to capitalize on her potential to take down and overthrow Sidious. Just that entire premise of you have this being that Count Dooku, who is this master swordsman dark side user trained under Sidious himself sees as a worthy ally in his quest to take down Sidious and to become the dark lord himself like that's so cool that's the kind of power that Ventress has one of the things that I saw with Ventress is because of her force sensitivity and relationship with the Night Sisters and just sort of naturally gravitated towards that dark side energy. She was easily consumed by that. That is the reason that Sidious eventually found out about her is because he started to sense her power. And we'll talk about that more when we actually get into the episodes, but And I just think her entire journey is really cool. She goes through all of this brutal Sith training, becomes a bounty hunter, and then is an unlikely ally of the Jedi. That's pretty dope. It's pretty dope. Yeah, she kind of gives me like mercenary vibes. Obviously, she's been on both sides. She's been the good guy at times being a Padawan and being within, you know, within the Jedi Order. She's been a Sith. We see later on that she kind of becomes this lone wolf of I'm just going to do what benefits me and what at the end of the day gets me further in life, but doesn't kill me. And that kind of gives me that like mercenary type feel. Oh, for sure. And I think that's what made her naturally gravitate towards bounty hunting. With that lengthy bio of this awesome character, are you ready to dive into some of these episodes? Oh, yeah. We are going to be covering the three episode Night Sisters arc and the Night Sisters conclusion. We're talking episode 12 through 14 in season three Night Sisters, Monsters, and Witches of the Mist, and episode 19 in season four Massacre. 
And the reason I wanted to attach Massacre on the end of this is it's the final screen adaptation that we see of the Night Sisters in this arc. And it kind of closes that out from a screen adaptation standpoint. So I felt it appropriate to throw this in here. All four of these episodes were written by Katie Lucas, who is the daughter of George Lucas, who seems to have like this very special attachment to Ventress and her development. She would later go on to write some additional episodes, eight episodes, in fact, which were later adapted for the novel Dark Disciple. Obviously, those eight episodes were never aired because we have the book, which the book was dope. At any rate, let's talk about Night Sisters. The swiftest path to destruction is through vengeance. What'd you think of this one? I actually think this was one of my favorite starts to an arc. Um, I've said before that a lot of times when I watch these arcs, the first one, I don't really gauge anything further except for like an introduction to what the arc's going to look like because usually that's what I feel they are. But this one was really cool because it kind of jumped us into a, in the middle of a story, you know, in the middle of a battle and lots of space battle going on between Anakin and Obi-Wan and then Ventress is there. I personally want to start on Dooku and Sidious's interaction. I think that for for me this in this episode, that's what hit me the most. And that's what kind of changed my vantage point of this whole arc from the first time I saw it. Because the first time I saw it, it was just data collection. Just like, okay, what's going on? Not really deep diving. This time around, I was looking for some deep dive stuff. I was actually looking to see kind of this theme, the patterns, et cetera, et cetera. And one of the things that I really enjoyed, and I even rewound it to watch it again, was when Lord Sidious looked at Dooku and was like, your assassin is too powerful. She's become too important to you. You have to make sure she dies. Like she has to be cut off, needs to be eliminated. And like Sidious is seeing this potential that Dooku is going to try to overthrow him. The small amount of arguing that Dooku did on behalf of Ventress was this like fatherly, I don't want to let her go. Like you could tell there was love there. You could tell there was, maybe, maybe love is a strong word for a Sith, but you could tell there was some form of deep connection and deep care for Ventress that he had to swallow and just be like, all right, you got this. Fine. I'll do it. It's fine. So I, I really, really enjoyed that aspect. Um, and I think that played a huge role in how this whole story could have possibly gone differently if Dooku had had the courage and swallowed his emotions for a different reason and didn't actually order to kill Ventress. Like when I watched it, I paused it and I thought about it for a minute and I was like, I wonder because Ventress is so powerful and Lord Sidious himself was sitting there like, we can't have this. This can't be. For me, there is this small inkling of Sidious being fearful of this powerful assassin, Dooku's apprentice. And I think if Dooku had recognized that and not ordered the hit, the two of them could have easily probably overthrown Sidious at some point. They could have like been deuces, we're on the run, let's get powerful enough and then take over. And then that would have changed the whole timeline of the Star Wars. It really would have. There's a couple things that you said that I want to speak to real quick. Number one, Dooku's attachment to Ventress. I'm not sure if it was sort of that fatherly love. What I got from that based on what I know from the story is that it's more of a dependency on Ventress 
she is his best shot to overthrowing Sidious, which is why he says she's become very important to me. You're right. Sidious is fearful of that. He fears that Dooku is raising an apprentice to strike him down, even though Dooku has been operating with her under the guise that she is just an assassin. And what's funny about this is Sidious had done the same thing with Maul. Sidious was training Maul while while under the apprenticeship of Plagueis. So Sidious is in violation of this rule of two, which, as we know for the Yoda arc, is canon now, so I can talk about it. Diving into legends a little bit on this rule of two, I just want to read a quick excerpt from this basically audio Bible that Bane read from, from Darth Revan, that inspired him to create this rule of two. Those who accept the power of the dark side must also accept the challenge of holding on to it. By its very nature, the dark side invites rivalry and strife. This is the greatest strength of the Sith. It calls the weak from the order. Yet this rivalry can also be our greatest weakness. The strong must be careful lest they be overwhelmed by the ambitions of those working beneath them in concert. Any master who instructs more than one apprentice in the ways of the dark side is a fool. In time, the apprentices will unite their strengths and overthrow the master. It is inevitable. Axiomatic. That is why each master must only have one student. And then Bane eventually took that and created the rule of two from those teachings. And that is exactly what Sidious fears from Dooku. Dooku working in concert with Ventress to overthrow the master so that Dooku can become the Dark Lord and rule the galaxy. <laughs> and I just think that's really interesting. Sidious is being such a hypocrite here. And I, for lack of a better term, I love it. <laughs> I think it's really cool, though, because, yeah, he's being a hypocrite, but he's also like, it just kind of goes to show how wise he really is, because if he was able to, it sounds like he was able to get away with it. And now he's recognizing those same patterns in somebody else. Like, it just kind of shows how smart he really is and how cunning he really is in the broad picture. Because again, one of the things I love about anything nerd culture is there's always that moment in any kind of series where you're met with a crossroads and we go down one path and it kind of trickles into a whole timeline. But we get to have this moment of like, but what if the timeline had shifted and it re we really went this route? And that's kind of what Night Sisters episode did for me is it gave me this glimpse of like, ooh, I wonder what would have happened if Dooku didn't turn his back on Ventress. Right. That's a great point, babe. Yeah. What else did you get from this episode? I got a list of moments where we we recognize Ventress having uh, attachment problems and kind of having unhealthy dependency on people. And I think it's really cool. We see this woman, this, you know, assassin, this apprentice, this minion working for Dooku, telling Dooku like, hey, I need some backup. Like things kind of went a little awry. And he's like, sorry, I've told all of your reinforcements to come back. You're kind of on your own. You failed me for the last time. Kind of blaming Ventress for her failures. So it was less difficult for him to watch her die. Kind of that, if I hurt you 
and you're mad at me, then it doesn't hurt me so much that you're gone type scenario. Later on, we get to kind of see her backstory. We get to kind of see flashbacks of how she got to this point, being a slave and then being picked up by a Jedi and then that Jedi training her and that master dying. And then here comes Dooku and then Dooku abandons her. And it's like, oh my goodness, this poor thing is constantly being left behind because of circumstance or left behind because of orders. And it's just, it broke my heart. But my theory is when her master dies, I feel like that's why she's like doing the whole dual lightsaber thing is because it has this small representation of she cannot be by herself. So she has to have somebody present with her almost at all times or somebody to validate her. And I feel like that second lightsaber is that small symbolism of of validation and codependency. But that's just me because I look into those things and make things up in my own brain. And you know, that would really make sense because in the movie, we see Ventress with her dual lightsabers, right? And they connect in the middle and they become one, this one powerful weapon. Mm -hmm. It makes sense. And the reason we don't see that anymore in this, once again, it's split up forever. Obi-Wan slashes it in half and we never see that again. Yeah. And that could also be a really cool representation of her night sister witch self and her force ability self coming together and then also representing that separation of, oh, I'm just going to be a Sith. Like, this is just what I'm going to do. It, it could also parallel in that that life timeline as well. But I do really feel like it has this codependency necessity to it that I really liked about this episode. And it just kind of gave me that insight. It really works, too. I'm impressed that you thought of that. I mean, I'm not impressed, but I'm impressed. Thank you. That's smart. Thank you. The duality of Ventress. Mm-hmm. It works on so many levels. Because, you know, she's just so complex. There's so much. I loved that point so much. Thank you. That's probably the only big mind-blowing point that I have for this entire podcast episode. But I'm glad that it's it sunk in pretty well. It'll, it'll elongate out for the rest of the episode. Well done. Thank you. I really loved the, like, vendetta aspect of this episode. The the newness of turning these three well-crafted fighters into ghosty things because I was dope. <laughs> and they get lightsabers. Jedi lightsabers. Yeah, like they didn't even, it wasn't even like Sith lightsabers. They were colored Jedi lightsabers. So it fooled Dooku think, to think that there were Jedis there, which was super dope. I also really loved that Dooku, he was like, I don't need to see you to be able to destroy you or something along those lines. I thought that was super cool. And when he force pushed one of them and her ghostiness kind of dissolved for a second, super dope. I would like to talk about Dooku's knight attire for a second. Okay. Homeboy, there are things other than Jedi robes or even like robes in general that you can wear. I feel like that's their only wardrobe is tie across the front kimono style robes, but it was still super dope. Just <laughs> I just had to throw that out there. I thought that was kind of cool. And then <laughs> I 
just I was like, I've never, we know, I've never really seen pajamas on Jedi or Sith because the only time we ever see like a Jedi sleeping, Anakin is half naked. So there's really no pajamas going on here. And then we get to see Dooku in pajamas. And it's like, you would be wearing like prep school attire kimono style robes like you would with pants like and not even pants like they were kind of like low-key gaucho pants with a little crest on the pocket like there was even a crest on the pocket because he fancy he accountant all you know i'm just saying like had mixed feelings but was also really excited to see somebody in pajamas for the first time because with this quarantine i've been kind of living my days in pjs i only get dressed on certain occasions that's if i have to go out for work i appreciated the pjs but my last point about this episode was actually um and this is the night mother right uh yes Okay, um, the one detail that I really, really, really appreciated that I didn't notice the first time but noticed the second time was every time she speaks, there's this like manly, deep, haunting echo behind her at all times. And I didn't pick that up until just, you know, when I was watching it for the second time. And man, does she become 10 times creepier sounding like a possessed woman over here with like the demon speaking under his breath at the same time. It was really cool, but like scared the pants off me when I actually recognized it. You know what it reminds me of? What? It reminds me of like when you see Sidious getting all extra Sidious-y. And it sounds like he's got like 20 voices underneath him, Mm -hmm. which I take to be the souls he's crushed and absorbed to help him become more powerful, to feed his dark side energy. And I wonder if that's kind of similar to the great mother here, Mother Talzin, Mm -hmm. where she absorbs the power of fallen night sisters or something like that. I don't know. I'm speculating. No, that's a really cool speculation because I could not, for the life of me, sit back and think of a cool enough theory of why she had some dude's voice echoing her. It freaked me out. It made me feel a little more uncomfortable with her, but at the same time, appreciated it. And those are all of my things about the Night Sister episode. So you talked about Mother Talzin, and I love Mother Talzin. So here's what I like about Mother Talzin. The entire plot, this vengeance mission against Dooku was one that she sort of hatched. And what I thought was really interesting about it was that she was so prepared for them to fail. Obviously, she's a clever woman, but she just rolled with it really well. And I started thinking about it and I was like, oh, she had this entire thing planned out from the beginning. If they succeeded in assassinating Dooku, then they win. But if they don't succeed, Dooku gets extra scared because the quote unquote Jedi are after him. And he seeks out a bodyguard from Mother Talzin. Like, either way, it's a win-win for her. And they keep Dooku on a leash in some way. On one side, he's dead on the leash, of course. But I saw it as a win-win. Not only that, but I feel like there's something else going on here with her motivations in helping Ventress seek vengeance against Dooku. I can't tell if it's a vengeance mission against Sidious indirectly or just the Sith in general because Darth Sidious and the Night Sisters have a bit of a rocky history. At one point in time, Sidious was actually allied with Mother Talzin. Sidious was trying to join his dark side force knowledge with Talzin's knowledge of Night Sister magics. And Talzin was interested in expanding her reach because at that point, 
their reach was localized to Dathomir. And Mother Talzin thought that Sidious was going to take Mother Talzin on as an apprentice. But instead, Sidious ended up betraying her and taking on her night brother's son, Darth Maul, as an apprentice. So she's salty about that. I know she's salty about that. And that's why I kind of think that she's so eager to help Ventress in this vengeance mission against the Sith. That's really cool. I didn't necessarily catch on to that or notice that at first. But now that you're saying it, yeah, everything's kind of making sense and clicking. Because for her, it's kind of a win-win situation. For sure. Absolutely. That's really cool. I told you there's a lot of really cool stuff in this. (laughs) And for the record, as our listeners, Dave and I had talked about this prior to, but I am not as knowledgeable in the Night Sisters as Dave. So I'm actually learning a lot more in this podcast at the same time. So I may not have a whole lot of points except for surface level, but it's because I'm so excited about what Dave knows. Star Wars is to Dave as Harry Potter is to live. Yes, I was going to say it's it's probably going to be a lot like our Harry Potter podcasts where I bring out my book and say, all right, but this and this and this and this and this is how this goes deeper and blah, blah, blah. That's how it's probably going to be for this, which I'm really excited about because in the other two arcs we've done, they were my favorite because I felt like I connected really well to them and I kind of felt like I could find those deep, deep meanings. But with Ventress, because there's so much, I'm excited to kind of be on the receiving end of the nerd out session. It's really cool. It's really fun to go back and watch it with this new perspective, this rich history behind all of this. And then you start seeing and catching on to these things like the Mother Talzin pieces. Like once I read Darth Maul, Son of Dathomir, which I'll talk about in a bit, it added so much more color to this and it really broadened my perspective and let me pick up on a lot of things in the Night Sisters arc. That's really cool. So Liv, are you ready to jump forward into our next episode, Monster? Yes, I have things. Ooh, you have things. Yes, it's pretty much just a quick, like a surface level synopsis. Sounds good. The fortune cookie of this episode, evil is not born, it is taught. Ooh. Spooky, because it's the Night Sisters. Um, I really liked this episode because it kind of, it gave me a little bit more history on the bloodline that Maul is attached to. Prior to this, I only knew Darth Maul as the big bad in episode one who gets chopped in half. And then we see his hologram pop up in Solo, which I got really excited about when I saw Solo. Main reason I love Solo so much is because, oh, Darth Maul's there. And then you see Slave One and you're like, oh, this is interesting. I digress. Um, So I really thought that this was kind of a cool episode because we saw more people that look like Darth Maul. Um, We saw more monsters or as um, Obi-Wan likes to call them, animals. The deal made with Dooku that the Night Mother is going to make the deal with Dooku and is going to bring him a new assassin to train and kind of work with him in a deal. We find out that really it's so they can convince this guy, like, we need you to actually betray Dooku, which is kind of cool. It was like a it was like a secret agent. It was like the Severus Snape of this arc. 
I liked making that minute connection. This monster they're going to get kind of has to play double agent, has to kind of be on both sides with a true intention. I thought it was really cool that Ventress got there and was like, I want your best fighters. I want your best men. We're going to do this task, these three tasks. I'm going to get a champion and he will be my servant, my henchman. He will be working with me. Boom shakalaka. And it was like low key, super, super dark. Like the way that she went about this. And it kind of made me feel really bad. Yes. Ventress puts these dudes through an especially brutal and lethal process of elimination. Yes. But it was super cool, too, because it was like she was kind of trying to figure out who was bad enough to convince Dooku that he was bad enough. Right. Like, that's what I saw. So I thought the three tasks were really, really cool. Um, I especially liked the last task where it was kind of like this ever-changing kind of maze. We see our champion sacrifice himself to save who he calls brother, who he is considering as a kin, as, as the same blood. He calls him his brother, fights Ventress, loses the fight, and is like, all right, you've got my life. I'll be whatever you want me to be. And it's like kind of low-key pissed about it. He's like, I, I I resent you for this process to Ventress. Just to jump in real quick. The reason that he calls him brother is because they, the colony that they live in, I'm not sure how you actually pronounce it, but this colony of Zabrak men, they make up this Knight Brothers clan and are subservient to the women folk or the Knight Sisters on the planet. So that is why he called him brother. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Or they might actually be brothers. I don't know. It was really kind of cool because I didn't know that they were like considered like the Knight Brothers. That that makes more sense to me. But there was definitely a deeper connection between these two individuals compared to everybody else. So it was almost as even if they weren't like actually related, there was this like brotherhood that the two of them have formulated as two individuals. I really liked that because it kind of humanized this creature that we've only seen as evil at this point. You know, as you said, before this, we had only had one experience with the Zabrak, and that was Darth Maul. And he was pretty menacing. Mm-hmm. Phantom menacing, if you will. Oh my goodness. <laughs> you did not just phantom menace me. Oh, I did. Okay. I'm just kidding. That was funny. But now we kind of get to see a softer side of that species. While yes, they're this sort of tribal and brutal culture. There's a lot of heart to it too. I think that speaks more to just the Clone Wars series in general. It introduces us to this entirely new perspective of what we've seen in the movies and says, yes, you may have seen this here, but here's the other side of the coin. All that to say, I agree. I liked it. It was dope. It was dope. It was really nice because there are so many gray areas in good versus evil. And we get to kind of see that gray area of what we presume to be evil having a softer side. And it was it was really kind of cool. But um, he gives up. He says, I'm yours, whatever. Uh, they return back to the Great Mother. They do a spell to DC Bane him out. Oh, they do, though. They do. They basically, I mean, it's the green, the green smoky stuff, just like the green juice that Poison Ivy puts into Bane. He buffs up and he kind of loses his like conscience. And he also kind of loses his self of like his sense of self. Free will. Free will. 
That's another one. Like there's this, he becomes the monster we know this this species to be. Yeah. It reminded me of a darker version of what Captain America went through. Yeah. I was going to say Shazam, but yeah, Captain America makes more sense. But anyway, go on. Yeah, so then we have the Great Mother hands over Savage, which when I typed out his name, I literally spelt savage. Oh, he's savage, though. So it applies. I'm now going to solely refer to Savage as the savage because he killed his own brother. He's a savage. They forced him to. Yeah, but he still did it. You know, I'm just saying he still did it. He probably doesn't recognize that he did it either. Like, let's be real. He probably just did it because he sees red. He just is like full on crazy person. Dooku sends him to a temple. He fights everybody, destroys everybody, kills the Jedi and the Padawan. And then Dooku's like, all right, you have proven yourself worthy. You are now my apprentice. You are apprentice savage or savage. Both apply. Both apply. And that is my surface level rundown. I don't think that was entirely surface level, though. I mean, we got into some details there, too. I don't have anything else to add on that episode. I feel like we covered everything in our discussion on this. So I'm ready to move on to Witches of the Mist if you are. I am. Let's do it. On to Witches of the Mist. The path to evil may bring great power, but not loyalty. Brum, brum, brum. Spooky, Spooky. Witches of the <laughs> Savage, Phantom Menace. Hmm, my favorite one. So, what were your thoughts on this? This one in particular was kind of, I had the feeling of this episode as I do usually the first episode of ARCs. Really? Yeah. I really liked the end battle. I thought that was super dope. Needed something like that after all of this buildup because there was so much to this like full on nearly half the episode fight that took place. And I'm I'm not saying this in a negative way because I love beginning of arcs, but it definitely left me with the sense of, okay, there there's still more to this story, which obviously there is because we have the 19th episode in season four that kind of concludes this whole arc itself. But yeah, it kind of gave me the, the beginning arc vibes, which isn't bad. I didn't see a whole lot of depth to it. But that might just be me looking in different places and when I should have been looking in the nooks and crannies. And that's totally fine. If you didn't get a lot from this episode, completely fine. I still want to hear what you have to say on this episode, though. Oh, I can do that. Uh, The Jedi don't know who the new threat is, but they definitely know that there's some kind of reckless, impulsive animal involved. And that was Kenobi's quote. It wasn't done by Ventress. It wasn't done by a Sith. This this was done by some kind of reckless, impulsive animal. So it was kind of giving me this like, Kenobi knows what's up. He knows who this is. He knows what's going on. He's just ready to step into the ring because he's fought this thing before. He's fought a similar thing like this before. We get to see some really cool training with Dooku and Savage, being that they they start practicing with his lightsabers. They do some force lifting, and Dooku intentionally is trying to make him angry. And I really loved a, a detail about this, this particular scene, because you see Savage trying to get this task over with. 
for a moment. He has been force lightninged for moments and moments. And you're like, when is this going to end? Dooku's trying to make him so angry. He finally lifts them up and he puts them down and he's like, he looks at Dooku and he says, how do you defeat someone with such power? And I really loved it because it was almost like Dooku knew what was going on, but was also slightly oblivious and just answered with, a wise master does not reveal all his secrets at once. And it was like this moment of uh, Savage, like, I want to be done with this. I want to fulfill my real master's task. So let me go ahead and get it over with, ask the question, and then I can relay it back to Ventress. So that was a little detail that I was like, all right, that's cool. Can I jump in? Yeah, sure. I also really liked this Sith training sequence a lot because this is one of the first times we actually get to see the Sith be trained. And much like Ventress's screening process, it's pretty brutal. I mean, the goal of this Sith training is for savage to hate dooku that's how that relationship is generally supposed to go in all in pretty much all history like you are not supposed to be friends you are supposed to have this sort of antagonistic relationship where the weak the apprentice serves the master who is the strong in seeing that power and getting a taste of that from time to time the apprentice craves that power it's symbiotic but it's in a starving sort of way, teasing, starving sort of way, where you tease the apprentice with just enough to say, you can learn this too, but for now, I'm just going to electrocute you to build up your hate because your hate is what gives you power. Your anger is what gives you power. And when Savage says, how does one defend against such power? I think Dooku really liked that because it kind of showed, okay, he's bought into this now. Like he wants to learn. He has an eagerness to learn from me and to become more powerful. So maybe he can help me overthrow Sidious. That's just my two cents with that training sequence there. Cool. Yeah, I didn't think about it in that sense. And that's that's a really cool way of thinking about it. And I I guess I kind of forgot that this was the first time we see Sith training Sith. So yeah, I'm rethinking that whole scene. And it's it's really kind of cool for sure. It's dope. Yeah. What else do you have for me, babe? Um, I have the infamous Anakin and Obi-Wan following breadcrumbs all over creation to get the answer that they are searching for per usual. I mean, it's kind of a typical thing that we see Obi-Wan and Anakin going through is we're going to go here, be told go here, we're going to go there, be told go here, and then we're finally going to get there. And then we have like the epic battle between Ventress, Dooku, and savage. I thought this was super cool because it was almost like Savage didn't really know who to actually trust in this moment. Like there was this turning point for him where he's fighting Dooku and then he's like, "Mm, actually, you both kind of suck. So be gone, turns around and then there's Jedi and he's like, well, darn, here we go. Now I got to fight these guys. I'm enemy number one right now because nobody's telling me anything and no one's really being honest or helpful for my case. And it kind of gave me this immature child sense of, of Savage. Like this poor guy is basically he's been created to serve people. And he's like, I don't want to do any of this. I just want to be an angsty teenage boy who like plays video games or something. I don't know what angsty teenage boys do now. I don't know. Make TikTok videos. (laughs) I just want to be on the TikTok. 
And so he he has a moment where he force chokes both of them. And he's like, I'm done. I am nobody to you. Peace out. Fight up the Jedi for a second. Force push them. Bye. But we also get a really cool vendetta fulfilling moment where we think Ventress and Dooku are going to finally have a last say. Someone's going to die. Someone's going to lose a hand. Typical Star Wars. We see that Ventress escapes. Deuces out. Savage escapes, deuces out. Jedi's escape, deuces out. The Great Mother is like, all right, Savage, I got something for you. I know you feel like everybody's betrayed you. I know you feel alone in this world, but you've got a guy who can train you. Go see my homeboy, Darth Maul. He gonna take care of you. But yeah, I I thought this was a really cool episode. Again, not in a negative way, but it did give me that cliffhanger first episode of an arc vibe where we see kind of this beginning, middle, end cliffhanger feel. But I didn't hate it. Like, I liked it. I liked the fight. I liked seeing Sith versus Sith versus Sith versus Jedi. Lots of lightsabers, lots of battling. I give it a 95 because no one lost an arm. We'll try harder next time. (laughs) Okay, cool. So I have a couple points here. Number one, I'm surprised you didn't bring this point up. But in this episode, when Obi-Wan and Anakin are doing their investigation following breadcrumbs and they travel to the colony on Dathomir, I would like to point out that they park right outside the village instead of like 17 miles away. Loki did not notice that. Right outside, like... They straight up princess parked right up on the village. How uncharacteristically Jedi of them. So my next point I thought was huge. Looking at this through the lens of somebody that never saw Clone Wars before. Putting that hat on for a second. Obi-Wan and Anakin had just wrapped up at the colony and they head over to meet up with Talzin. Obi-Wan is warning Anakin that they may not exactly be welcome with the Night Sisters. In a very Anakin way, Anakin says, you never know, I tend to be popular with the ladies. To which Obi-Wan replies almost under his breath, too popular. Before watching Clone Wars, I had my theories about whether or not Obi-Wan knew about Anakin and Padme. This was that first instance where I found this as validation to that theory that Obi-Wan did in fact know about the true nature of Anakin and Padme's relationship. This is like that first hint at that. As we know later in the series, Obi-Wan gets a lot more explicit with his knowledge of their relationship, almost poking fun at Anakin for it. He's always somewhat playful and sarcastic about it. I've always found it interesting that he never really acts on it. He never reports it to the council. He never does anything about it. He never, nothing ever comes of it. To me, I feel like this is due in no small part to his own personal history with Duchess Satine on Mandalore. They obviously had something there. I feel like he sees Anakin and Padme. He's like, I kind of wanted that with Duchess Satine. Maybe I let him explore that a little bit. What's the worst that could happen? Maybe he eventually kills me. Maybe he eventually blows up some planets and joins the Sith. I don't know. But I think it's an okay idea for now. How wrong you were, Obi-Wan. How wrong you were. I thought that single exchange of dialogue had so much weight to it there. I thought that was really cool to kind of put in the middle of this episode, just randomly. And there it was, because there was a lot of implications behind that single exchange of dialogue. I love that. 
Yeah, it was really cool. I noticed it this time around. Got a good laugh at it. Like, haha, <laughs> called out, sucker. You're not so secretive. But yeah, I thought that was, I thought it was super funny. I found it almost as funny as the, ah, my knees part. Like, I laughed so hard. Also got a kick out of it from a humor standpoint. In addition to the emotional depth of it, I also generally thought it was a funny little jab. It was <laughs> funny. Yeah. I want to talk about real quick when Savage goes savage. I thought it was really cool to actually see a screen adaptation of Force Rage just to see this uncontrollable monster unleash and to truly see the power behind that. Eventually, like he snaps out of that, obviously beaten and broken. Savage turns back into Savage and returns to Dathomir and Mother Talzin to recoup. And as you said, sets us up for our family reunion. Are you ready to dive into our final episode? Yes. Massacre? Yeah, massacre, yes. So the last episode that didn't exactly fit into the arc necessarily, but I feel like it ties up the story. And that is episode 19 in season four, Massacre. With the fortune cookie, one must let go of the past to hold on to the future. Live. Would love to hear your thoughts on this episode. This episode was dope because with the kind of ritual aspects aside, because that was dope, but I found the whole battle to be so satisfying, so much fun. There was so many cool elements to it. Let's begin. Grievous is sent to kill Ventress because we now know Ventress is alive. Whoa, she's alive. Dooku shocked. Ah, my knees. Ah, my knees. The Night Sisters are like prepped and ready with their cool purple bow and arrows. Grievous pretty much becomes all superior in all sense of the word and pretty much knocks out and kills every living and non-living being in his path because Night Mother goes to Old Woman. Cannot for the life of me remember what they called her. What did they call her? Um, For the sake of argument, let's just call her Night Grandmother. Night Grandmother. Night Grandmother, all of these weird looking cocoon things turn out to be graves of dead sisters, pop out these freaky long-jawed mummy-like zombies who go after the attack, which has droids and Grievous. Grievous basically wins, but I think my favorite part of this whole thing was the Dooku voodoo. <laughs> the voodoo Dooku. Well done. Thank you. The Night Mother makes this weird wax sculpture of Dooku and basically just tortures the living crap out of him. It made me laugh so hard. There was so much of that that I was like, karma is not on your side, Dooku. You went and abandoned Ventress. This is what you get. Karma's no good. Don't mess with it. But yeah, I think there was just so much for me. It was just so much visually a appealing battle going on that I was super invested both times I watched it in that, that I may have probably missed some deeper elements going on because I love the fight. I love seeing the battles. I get very invested in what color is the laser coming out of your gun? Wow, you have purple arrows. Wow, you just kicked his butt. Wow, you died. That stinks. And at the end, we find out that the Night Mother has ghostified herself and goes to Ventress and is like, sorry, you're like the only one left. 
And again, Ventress is abandoned. And then I was sad. That's my synopsis on it because, again, I visually, I thought this was like the coolest battle thus far in the Clone Wars series because of all of the newer elements. Because we're, we're so used to the clones and droids fighting each other. Jedi and Sith fighting each other. Well, now here we are with like Night Sisters who are doing all kinds of cool stuff with bow and arrows that are like zappy and cool. But then we also have zombies that like come from the dead doing all this magic and stuff. We've got voodoo going on with the Night Mother. We have great grandmother of the dark over here who's been in a cave for longer than she probably should have. Have you seen the circles under her eyes? And you know she doesn't have a shower in there. You, she's living in a rock. Like, definition of living under a rock. This woman knows nothing, but knows everything at the same time. How? She's magic. It's fine. She's got this crystal ball. She's been watching the whole time. She's gonna sit over here and be like, the Dark Lord will rise again. Ooh, that comparison and just made so much sense to me and I'm really proud of myself. I feel like I covered everything from my knowledge of this episode that I liked, but those were the standout moments of like seeing a whole episode pretty much dedicated to a fight and an individual battle of self. I felt like this had a lot of emotional depth to it. We open in this episode with Ventress after being in hiding after her narrowly escaping her last encounter with Dooku, failing. She returns to Dathomir to regroup with her family, essentially. It's at this point where she's encouraged to completely cut her Sith ties and become a full-fledged Night Sister. Like, Homegirl is finally going to have a family again. Ventress goes through this entire, like, dark baptism to become a Night Sister. And then those celebrations are cut short because of a revenge attack that Dooku has ordered and Grievous is executing. You talked about the abandonment that Ventress experiences in this arc. This is just the cherry on top. Like, she finally gets back to her roots. Her original family is accepted back into her original family. No sooner does she do that than the entire family is wiped out. And she's alone again. That is so, so sad. Like, it's a super tragic ending. Ventress has literally lost everything everything at this point she literally has nowhere else to go she can't go back to the sith she can't go back to the jedi she can't go back to the night sisters because they don't exist and mother talzin's off in the spirit realm being green in a mist somewhere she is literally all alone that was such a dark ending to all this i felt so bad for ventress here and i mentioned mother talzin being off in the spirit realm in her green mist grievous and Dooku believe her to be dead at this point. So that's all I'll say there. I feel like if we really want to land the plane on Ventress and Mother Talzin, there are two pieces of canonical literature that I want to touch on to add some additional color. Both of these were originally intended to be Clone Wars episodes. These were unproduced screenplays that were later adapted into a comic and a novel. And the first one that I want to talk about is Darth Maul, Son of Dathomir. 
And just to set the stage on it, this occurs after Massacre happens. Ventress is off doing her own thing now, alone, tragic, wanted to give her the biggest hug ever. And Mother Talzin is off in the green mist spirit realm. In season five of Clone Wars, Maul is the leader of the Mandalorians after a challenge duel between Pre Vizsla and Maul. Previously, they were working together to bring Mandalore to glory, but that didn't happen. Maul challenged Vizsla to a duel to, to um, determine the true ruler of the Mandalorians. The winner of said duel was going to have the unconditional support of the majority of Death Watch and be the leader of Mandalore. What a shock, Maul won. But because Maul is obviously not a Mandalorian, there are members of Death Watch who refuse to follow and then split off. They bebopped on out of there. Under Maul's reign, they started to build an army with all these criminal syndicates, the Huts, the Pikes, the Black Sun, and this group became known as the Shadow Collective. Now, in that, much like Sidious sensing Ventress as a potential threat, Sidious began to sense Maul as a rival and a threat to his grand plan. So Sidious bebops on down to Mandalore, kills Maul's brother, Savage, and takes Maul prisoner. So that's where we're at right now. That is where this story begins. So as we talked about in Massacre, Grievous and Dooku are under the impression that Mother Talzin is dead. Sidious is skeptical about that. He still sees her as a threat to the grand plan. I mean threat in the biggest way because this is, after all, someone that he wants allied with to learn from her power. Like Sidious, the Sith Lord, wants allied with this woman, with this witch. But she's still off hanging out in the spirit realm right now. Sidious has this plan to use Maul to drive her out. That's why Sidious didn't kill Maul in that episode of the Clone Wars and took him prisoner instead. So the Maldalorians, which love that, the Maldalorians are now searching for Maul and he's off in Dooku's prison. The Maldalorians manage to free him from that prison and the Separatist army gives chase and ends up battling the Shadow Collective. A lot of lives lost, and Maul's Mandalorian army is dwindling, but manages to retreat and regroup. It was at this point that Maul calls up on his mother for guidance. So Mother Talzin tells him to hook up with Black Sun and says that I'm going to get the Knight Brothers to come give you reinforcements. So Sidious, Dooku, and Grievous are monitoring things, and they see a transport ship leaving from Dathomir, and they think that Mother Talzin's on that ship. So they believe that that transport ship is Mother Talzin. And they're all heading back to like some Black Sun stronghold. Now, Maul has a surprise plan for them. In that surprise, long story short, he ends up taking Dooku and Grievous captive in this. And in this plan, orchestrated by Mother Talzin, her hope is that Sidious will follow so she can finally exact her revenge. And Maul calls up Sidious and is like, hey, I got your bros here. They're captive. What you going to do about it? And Sidious, in a very serious way, is like, they mean nothing to me. He's flippant about it. He doesn't care. Maul uses that to try to convince Dooku to kind of switch sides, to join him and then destroy Sidious. Talzin, in her green misty form, appears to reveal how Sidious betray her and how Sidious will also betray him. So Dooku now has... All of that backstory about how Sidious and Talzin once worked together. So after revealing that, Dooku is like, yeah, you're right. I'm going to join you now. The Jedi gain intel that Maul and Dooku are working together. The Jedi think that Dooku is the Sith Master they've been looking for and Maul is the apprentice. I just want to point out, like, 
Sidious is a genius. This sends the Jedi on a wild goose chase and completely removes him from any suspicion. Like, he is responsible for misleading the Jedi into thinking they've actually found the Master. Anyway, Maul and Dooku head off to Dathomir at this point. Maul is skeptical about Dooku's compliance, sees through his deception. Grievous and Sidious also head to Dathomir because Dooku has a tracking device on him. On Dathomir, Talzin begins a ritual of draining Dooku's life force, which will allow her to fully take form. But before that, I think it's important to cover why she has been hiding off in the spirit realm. It's really not that she was actually hiding. Like, she's off in the spirit realm, and she reappears to sort of bring Maul back to his original state. And that sacrifice took a lot out of her. So after that, she was no longer able to take form. She was only able to be all green and misty. So during this ritual, Sidious and Grievous show up and they battle. Now, Towson ends up taking full form. Sidious and Dooku begin to force lightning attack her at the same time. So two powerful Sith force lightning attack Mother Towson at the same time. Towson takes it and holds them off. That is is incredible. That's the kind of power that Mother Talzin has, that she can hold off two lightning attacks at the same time. That's what we're dealing with here. And in doing that, it allows Maul to escape. This is the second time that Mother Talzin has sacrificed herself for Maul. Maul's able to escape, and in holding off all of this forced lightning, she is weakened enough to where Grievous comes up in there and is able to kill Talzin. And that's kind of where that story ends with Mother Talzin. And I just think that's so cool. There's just so much backstory to uh, this magical clan on Dathomir. And I feel like this really ties a bow on the Sisters in general, even. Definitely, I mean, for sure, Mother Talzin, but the Sisters in general. That is super cool. Do you like that? Yeah, I see. I didn't know half of that. I knew about the Mandalorian stuff. I knew because that there's an episode on that. There's a mall arc that kind of goes into that. But I didn't know the further story that is Night Mother and her demise. It's pretty intense. Yeah. Like, these are two stories where Sidious, not explicitly, but implicitly expresses a fear. Yeah. And it's always really cool to see somebody as powerful as Sidious in that position of fear and the links that he will go to avoid what he is afraid of mm -hmm. and what he considers to be a threat to his grand plan. It's pretty, it's pretty intriguing. Definitely super cool. The other piece of literature that I want to bring up is Dark Disciple which is a fantastic book. It's one of the only books in recent history that has actually made me cry. It's that good. Dark Disciple is based on eight unfinished Clone Wars season seven episodes written by Katie Lucas. This really shows what the next phase of Ventress's journey looks like. And I'm not going to go into a whole lot of details with this because I want you to read it. But long story short, the premise is the Jedi Order takes a drastic measure and orders the assassination of Count Dooku. And they call upon a Jedi named Quinlan Vos to work with Ventress in order to accomplish that. And it's all about their journey together. 
Not only is it a fantastic character study of Ventress, but it also really articulates the mindset of the Jedi Order before the events of Revenge of the Sith and sort of how much they changed. You know, Liv, you talked about the thing that happens at the end of season five of Clone Wars with Ahsoka. Right. And how you do not like that at all. No. Because it's so uncharacteristic of the Jedi Order. It kind of goes against their traditions, their morals, their values. This is a further exploration into that as well. And also gives us some insight into Obi-Wan's thoughts on how it's changed. And it's really cool to see that view from that lens. So that's all I will say there. I will say, if you are interested in a deep dive on Dark Disciple, I would highly recommend the Galactic Podcast. These ladies do a fantastic review of this book, and I would be remiss in not mentioning that. And they're really awesome. They are really awesome. They're an awesome bunch of gals. And if you're interested in a specific character study of Ventress, Echo Station Podcast has a really good character study of that as well. They have a very entertaining character study of interest, and I thoroughly enjoyed it myself, and I would highly recommend it to y'all. Go check them out. They are awesome. Any final thoughts, Liv, before we wrap up? Ventress, cool. Dooku, evil. Maul has the opposite of codependency. Ventress is codependent. Love her. Huge fan. Missed Ahsoka in, these seri- in, this, in this arc, but that's okay. We get to see them team up later. Yeah, that's so cool. Oh, that was so cool. But in all honesty, like goofiness aside, Ventress, this this arc really gave me a new insight of this Sith that has popped up multiple times prior to just with the sole purpose of eliminating Jedi. And I really appreciated this bigger viewpoint, this bigger vantage point of such a deep character. And I was really happy that they had this arc and had her come back and that there are books and and deep dives on her because I'm excited to go and do more research and read more about this complex character. Well said. Thank you. I don't know if I can accurately articulate how much I really enjoy Ventress as a character and just the Night Sisters in general. I think me, I think the amount that I geeked out on this is evidence enough that I really truly think that this is a amazing arc that has so much depth and heart to it. And it's not even about the quote unquote good guys. Yeah. It's a tragic story with a lot of heart. It made me feel feels. All the feels. And that is another episode of Pizza and Parsecs. I'm Liv. I'm Dave. And you can check us out on bit.ly backslash pizza and parsecs pod or on your podcasting platform of choice. If you like what you hear, head on over to iTunes and leave a rate and review. We're still a fairly new podcast and it always helps us out. And if you want to give us a shout, head on over to our socials at Pizza and Parsecs. We love talking to you guys and making new friends. So head on over there, hit us up, and we'll befriend you because we're an open community and we just love nerding out with other nerds. Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks, guys. And may the force be with you. Jedi have like casual Fridays ever. Obi-Wan, you can wear your jeans on Friday. It's been a long <laughs> week. Jeans.
I would love to see Jedi Casual Friday. I feel like that would be Kyle Katan from the Jedi Academy, Jedi Order. I feel like that would probably be more Casual Friday, what he wears. And you got Baby Chewie who just wears nothing at all, so... Exactly. Interesting. For the sake of argument, let's just call her Night Grandmother. Night Grandmother. Mm. The almost blue Night Mother. She can't turn blue. She'd probably turn green. Probably turn green. The Green Mother. <laughs> Sounds like Grandmother, but it's green. The Green Mother. The Smoky Green Mother. <laughs> the one who smokes a little too much. <sighs> Have you seen my Virginia Slims? <laughs> Again, Ventress is abandoned, and then I was sad. And Anna cries. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> At least she still has her night sisters. The night sisters are dead. The night sisters are dead. And Ventress cries. And Ventress cries. And poor thing gets shot in the arm. Didn't lose her arm, but gets shot in the arm. So she's like, oh my. <laughs> You want bloodshed so bad. <laughs> I, you know, with titles that these ones have, I was hoping there'd be a little bit more bloodshed, but it's fine. I'm just holding on to the fact that Dooku loses his head in Revenge of the Sith. That is all. That was good. Thanks. <sighs> I did it. Under 10 minutes. <laughs> you still have to close it out. Oh. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye. Do, 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 do. You sound like a cartoon. I am a cartoon. <laughs> what are you talking about? I am a cartoon.